This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. I really needed that kind of uplifting music this uh, morning or this afternoon. It's now technically the afternoon because I am just, I'm worn thin with discussing or trying to figure out, uh, you know, what's going on at the Fox Network or what's going on with Tucker Carlson or what's going on with Dan Bongino, any of it. And that's what they do. They just, they just fatigue us. And, and we just get so overwhelmed with frustration and anger that we move on. I, I describe living in America today as a giant game of whack-a-mole. Every time I hit one mole, some one other one pops up. You know, I have to get an email just before, no, not email, a text message just before I go to sleep about some guy winning the um, marathon in the women's division. So he's one of 1,400 people running in the women's division of the London Marathon, and he wins. And he poses for a picture, which would make you crazy, really, you know, where he shows his biceps. And I don't know many men who have biceps like this, but I certainly don't want to race against a so-called woman who has biceps like this. Apparently, you know, this is going to be happening more and more and we're not allowed to talk about it you know amara um, yamuchi who finished sixth in the marathon at the 2008 beijing olympics lashed out after trans racer glenique frank age 44 gushed to the bbc about using girl power to run the race on sunday in great britain males in the female category is unfair for females. And I, you know, I don't know how many other ways I can possibly say that, you know, to all these people who have spent years telling me that I'm a science denier and it's not a baby until this. And it's a, you know, the climate is changing and it's man-made and all this garbage telling me that I'm a science denier just because I question some of their assertions. They don't want to pay attention to the simplest, most basic science of all. There are two genders, male and female. Now, there may be an anomaly. Every rare occasion where a androgynous baby is born or a hermaphroditic baby is born, but this insistence that, you know, you pick your gender, whatever you want to be, that's what you are. No, 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 the science does not expand in that manner. You know, I'm not a dog. No matter how many times I tell you I'm a dog, no matter how many body piercings I have or how I put a collar around my neck, I am not a dog. My DNA is that of a human. 
my DNA is that of a female human. So I'm just, I'm so tired and frustrated, but every time I whack one mole, another mole jumps up. The party of women is now the party of men who say they are women. You know, thanks to uh, a friend who sent me the article by DeRoy Murdoch, who's one of my favorite writers, opinion guys. You know, th this is insanity. You know, the, the idea that, and by the way, it's the Democrats who keep saying they're the party of women. They just sent all American women a very clear message in the last year, and that was drop dead. That's right. When the Republicans in the House last week passed the Protection of Women and Girls in Sports Act, all 219 Republicans voted yes, 203 Democrats unanimously voted no. Because what the bill does is it amends Title IX and makes it illegal for any school that receives federal funds to permit a person whose sex is male to participate in an athletic program that is designated for women or girls. And the bill also stipulates that sex shall be recognized solely on a person's reproductive biology and genetics at birth. Which part of we don't follow the science is that? Democrats should have stood up for women because 50.5% of the U.S. Pop population is women. We're a core constituency of every of both parties, but certainly of the Democrat Party. They could have stood with the 0.05% of adults who call themselves transgender, and that's what they did. And by the way, in this case, much of the re relevant population is primarily males who identify as women, claim to be women. So Democrats gave, you know, the middle finger to 50.5% of the population and stuck with the 0.5%. Good luck with that. You know, Hakeem Jeffries, the Democratic leader, the minority leader, thoroughly dismissed his granddaughters, daughters, mothers, sisters, and wives, and the men who love them, and trivialized their legitimate concerns on this matter. MAGA Republicans are trying to sensationalize an issue that doesn't really exist in the way they're falsely portraying. That's what he said to journalists after the vote. Doesn't really exist? Wow. Wasn't the Democrats yelling for years that women should be listened to, we should be believed, we should be accommodated? And now ignoring women and waving them away like houseflies. Female athletes who get defeated by males and lose trophies, college admissions, and scholarships, they don't exist? Tell that to all the women whom the Alliance Defending Freedom has documented as having been trounced by men in 29 different sports. Females who lose athletic contests to biological males don't exist? Girls and women falter in the face of female athletes in swimming, track, and other sports. Oh, look, this William Leah Thomas, who couldn't, you know, uh, compete in male swimming when he was a male, declares himself a woman, throws his big, strong body into the pool, and then wallops all of the uh, new rivals, all the females. Of course he blew the women out of the water. And yes, I'm saying he. I don't care what he calls himself. You know, he went through puberty as a male. 
He's got bigger lungs, bigger legs, bigger everything. Plus he has something else. You look at these ridiculous, you saw this um, ridiculous uh, um, Connecticut track meet. I forgot what high school, Bloomfield High School, right? This woman is approaching the finish lines and you can see his genitalia protruding from his shorts. Come on, guys. If a woman, no, let me put it to you this way. If a man with a penis who takes estrogen and identifies as female is really a woman, then is a man with white skin who visits a tanning salon daily and identifies as black really black? And you might be rattled by D. Roy Murdoch using that analogy. But men posing as women have given us no recourse but to say, and guess what? You know, I identify as a uh, white Anglo-Saxon Protestant, even though I'm not. Allowing biological males to compete against biological females is not only ridiculous, but it's dangerous. The, these, uh, you know, they get injured. It's not fair. And females who are offended or uh, upset when they get exposed to penises while they're in girls' locker rooms, they don't exist either? That would certainly surprise the 14-year-olds, four of them, at Wisconsin Sun Prairie East High School. They say they were showering in their bathing suits after a swim class on March 3rd when an 18-year-old adult male walked into the locker room, stripped naked, and revealed his penis and testicles to them in the shower. I'm trans, by the way, he declared. Whatever happened to safe spaces for women? Whatever happened for uh, girl spaces, females only? What, what is, why would you ask a girl to share a locker room with a boy and make her change in front of him? Why? I, I just don't understand. For hundreds of years, women have been fighting against this. And now, you know, we're in one fell guilt-provoking swoop, you know, okay. We're just going to let anybody declare whatever they want, and we got to go along with it. You know, when I was growing up, I wanted to be a lot of things. You know? I wanted to be a cowboy or cowgirl. I don't know. I just wanted to ride horses and, and carry a six-shooter. My parents did not uh, move to uh, Montana in pursuit of my childhood fantasy. What kind of male chauvinist pig do you have to be as an adult man to march into a, a woman's locker room displaying your junk to teenage girls? That, that should be illegal. That's exhibitionist is exhibitionism, right? That's flashing. And that's just indecent exposure. In the old days, that made you a registered sex offender. Today, all you got to do is say, I'm trans, by the way. And the crime scene is now, you know, transformed magically. As D. Roy Murdoch says so beautifully... The so-called party of women doesn't give a damn about women. Instead, it is now the party of men who say they are women. At every future opportunity, every American woman should remember this and vote against every single Democrat on every ballot 
and until the Democratic Party really doesn't exist. I could not agree more. This is another one of those, you know, whack-a-moles. We, we get on the trans side, then we move off. Then Dylan Mulvaney, and we move back on. And then this, uh, you know, uh, London Marathon, we move back in. And then the boxer gets uh, knocked out, and we move back and back and back and back. Stop. Stop seeding your moral ground. It's, it's enough. I'm not doing it anymore. You know, I don't care what you think. I don't care what anybody thinks about me. I know where my heart is. You know, I don't begrudge an ill person or a person who's different than me an opportunity to be themselves, but they don't get to change everything about society to accommodate them. We, we just gave in too quickly on too many things, and now they just run amok. You know, pretty soon you'll be able to declare your species, you'll be able to declare your race, all these things that seem ridiculous to you now. Well, it used to seem ridiculous to me that we would ever have male athletes competing in female athletics and say it was okay because they verbalized that they were trans. I would have laughed in your face if you told me that 10 years ago, five years ago even. And now it's like my reality. Ever since Abigail Schreier wrote that book, they have escalated and 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 they're just they're moving like at the speed of light and if we don't stop them now i have no idea where this goes i i mean when i look at this photograph and you should i should probably put it up or, or go to the Debroy murdoch site and look at this this person crossing the finish line with a you know a full-out male biological reality it's awful. This is, this is just not right. You don't get to just declare yourself a, a woman and then you know run in a race where your junk is hanging out. No, nope, sorry. At some point, we have to say, no, that's just, you've gone too far. We're pulling back now. Anyway, don't forget to download our app. That way you could register to win one of these great contests, and we have some awesome prizes. We still got a four-pack to Sunfest available. And now we're also, whoa, she reaches for the paper. We have a $50 Levenger gift card, perfect for a thoughtful Mother's Day gift like purses, wallets, jewelry organizers, fine pens, journals, and more. Enter now on our app or at 850wftl.com. Quick break. I will be talking with Blaze and Goli at the bottom of the hour. Stay right where you are. I'll be right back. Hey. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. There's finally been a spotting of Tucker Carlson. He apparently 
has a $5.5 million home in Boca Grande, Florida. And uh, he got nabbed by a reporter from the Daily Mail last night, tracked him down outside his home, and asked him how it was going. And he said, retirement is going great so far. And then he said, I haven't eaten dinner with my wife on a weeknight in seven years, Carlson said, as he and his wife, Susan, drove to dinner in a golf cart, a picture of carefree merriment for all the world to see. Good for him, you know? And, and everybody should just leave him alone. They have four kids, but they didn't, uh, you know, they didn't speed away. They stopped and talked to the reporter. And then off they went, howling with laughter. He did say that uh, he, the reporter asked him, well, what about your plans for the future? He said, appetizers plus an entree. He wasn't all about zipping about and laughing, though. Earlier, he met with Justin Wells, who was his executive producer and got fired along with him. As for his wife, she took a walk with the family dog and said no in-depth interview was forthcoming. No, these are private discussions. It's nothing like that. She said, although she, the report said she was furious with Fox News for firing her husband from his $20 million a year job. Of course, reports of various job offers have, all right already. The First Amendment is what I'm worried about. I'm not worried about Tucker Carlson. Tucker will be fine, you know. And I, I got to tell you, the fact that... Um, that Tucker was basically talking about God and morality and, and allowed uh, Jason Whitlock to talk about, that's the stuff that raised my alarm bell. You know, I, I don't think that, uh, that they embrace religion over there at the Fox News Network. They don't mind if their female hosts write books about prayers, but they don't want anybody talking about, you know, God. And it's what I've always said. And, and you know, this is, this is where the whack-a-mole ends, okay? If you don't believe that there is a, a power greater than yourself and you don't believe that one day you will be held responsible for the things that you did, then all bets are off. You can do and say whatever you want. You can harm as many people as you want. You can be cavalier about uh, the killing of babies or the, uh, you know, the, the taking away of people's rights. You see, if you don't believe in right and wrong, if you don't think you're ever going to have to answer, then, then you, you have school shootings. That's what you have. You have politicians who lie and then lie and then lie some more. You have a public who is so disenfranchised at this point, you know, I just finished a book on Audible, and it, it was very interesting. It wasn't exactly, the, the author does not think like I think, but that's okay, because I've learned that, you know, I need to be, I need to read smart things. And sometimes those smart things are going to be very different than what I believe. The name of the book is uh, The Revolt of the Public and the Crisis of Authority by Martin Gurry. And I finished it today. And I started another book called The Best Minds by Jonathan Rosen. And I can tell you something. People need to spend less time worrying about 
you know, what's going to happen to Tucker Carlson? I have to talk about it because that's what I do for a living, right? It affects me. And I, you know, I understand that for most people out there, if you can put your eyes on somebody else's life, this is what reality television is all about and why it became so successful, including elevating Donald Trump and the Kardashians to mega celebrity status, right? It's because while you're watching that, you're not really thinking deep thoughts. You're not, you might be doing some comparing, which is never a good idea. And more important, you're not living your life. I read because in the process of reading, my mind is expanding. And I'm not just taking in information, I'm also evaluating um, some stuff I cannot comprehend and I have to go further out. Whatever you know, you say about watching endless hours of uh, cable news or watching even you know this this crazy binging that uh, so many of my friends are doing on these uh, you know Amazon Prime and Netflix and this and that. I mean, they sit for hours and hours, and all they're doing is forgetting about their lives. And I don't want to forget about my life. I want things that expand my understanding. You know, whether it's. Uh, the same way I think or very different than the way I think. And I'm confident, I really am, that there is some underlying you know, spiritual battle that's happening in the world today. And I'm particularly aware of the battle that's happening here in the United States of America. And I just... I have to detach more often than not. The, the era, you know, there's a debt bill fight going on right now. And nobody's paying attention to that. You know, uh, there is a, a, a battle for the soul of the Democrat Party and a battle for the soul of the Republican Party going on right now. And nobody's talking about that. Instead, you know, they're worried about Tucker Carlson, you know, and, and I, I, it's not that I don't think, find it a fascinating story. Obviously I do, particularly because I'm in media. But Peter Thiel, who's a conservative billionaire, whatever, a big mega donor for Republicans, says he's not going to fund any candidates in 2024. This tech billionaire who was an early backer of the former president of Donald Trump and who later broke with him has told associates he's not planning to donate to any political candidates in 24. He's unhappy with the party's focus on all the hot button U.S. cultural issues. I just had this conversation downstairs with a, a neighbor who's a conservative and said, oh, you know, the Republican Party's moved too far to the right on abortion and too far to the right on the, you know, gender, then too far. And, and I just keep pointing out, when is enough enough? You know, uh, you know, Peter Thiel doesn't care about morality. He, he thinks it's a mistake to focus on cultural flashpoints. Okay, so he doesn't have to donate to candidates who do that. But let me ask him a question. Do you think it's okay for you know a guy with a penis to race against a girl just wondering 
because the Republicans fail to actually ask the important questions. Instead, it's always like, oh, well, you know, um, middle-class women don't like that. Well, you don't have a clue, neither party, and none of the pollsters have a clue what middle-class women are thinking because we're not all alike. I know you'd like to think we are, but we're not all alike. And many of us are thinking very different things than we will tell you or say out loud. How about that? Many of us are very traditional and very conservative, but live in a modern world. So we've learned to say, oh, it's okay, you know. Let's focus on the economic issues. You know, that's what uh, Peter Thiel wants us to do. And, you know, okay, but the fact that you say that and yet you never conduct an interview, you never do anything without first, you know, declaring how proud you are that you're gay. Okay, but are you proud to be an American? He says he is, but I don't know, you know, because he doesn't want to fight in any of the culture wars. And, and that's, you know, and the only person that's being honest, as Peter Thiel pointed out in an interview, about the economy is Donald Trump. Because everybody else is pretending it's not a disaster. It is a disaster. By the way, I first heard about Peter Thiel when he backed Ron Paul. And then he donated in 2016, that was like in 2012, I guess, yeah. And then in 2016, he, he uh, donated a bunch of, over a million dollars to Trump. He did not back him in the reelection according to Open Secrets, which is the website where I get the information about who you can't contribute to. But to be sure, this guy's going to change his mind. He has to. You know, he changed his mind about J.D. Vance, and when he threw money behind him, he won. He lost on Blake Masters. But, you know, when you're a kingmaker, you don't stop being a kingmaker because of one bad experience. Anyway... Uh, I got to take a break. When we come back, I'll be talking with State Senator Blaze Angolia. I got a couple of questions to ask, and I had a listener send me in a question, which I'm going to put to the uh, senator. So you don't want to miss this if you're concerned about Florida politics. You really don't. So, Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. We're going to leave a line open, and if uh, Senator Angolia calls in, we will take his call. But uh, I do have to talk about this uh, whole Kevin McCarthy versus Joe Biden debt ceiling battle because, you know, uh, Kevin McCarthy had a tough road to get to the Speaker's chair. But afterwards, he really had sort of a honeymoon. And uh, in fact, if he learned anything about governing through, you know, uh, all of the many different divisions there were in that Republican conference, uh, he still really wasn't tested. And now that period, that honeymoon period is over. And he's got to bring to the floor today his proposal to lift the debt ceiling for a year in exchange for spending cuts and policy changes. He's got a very slim majority in the House, and with all Democrats present and voting no, 
he can't lose more than four votes. And we don't know if he even has the votes to pass the bill, a bill that, by the way, has no chance to be enacted. Uh, Senator Chuck Schumer, who is the majority leader in the Senate, said the bill should be called the Default on America Act, uh, which would be the DOA, because uh, it's dead on arrival. It's not going to pass in the Senate. And President Biden says, oh, it's a MAGA economic agenda. You know, they gave more power to the letters MAGA than anybody. Spending cuts for working and middle-class families. Meanwhile, every single Democrat I know has said to me in the last couple of weeks, I got much less of a refund this year than I did in the previous couple of years, or I got no refund and had to pay, which I didn't have to do in the previous years. And I looked at them and I said, well, you know, this was your idea. You wanted Joe Biden to be president. You didn't like the tax cuts that Donald Trump gave you. You hated him. And they, ne they never have a response. You know, oh, that's not it. Of course that's it. You know, and you got Speaker McCarthy bending over backwards to try and placate people like me. I'm an anti-spending, hard right economic person. You know, I remember when I was still kind of vacillating and not really uh, as conservative as I have become as an, you know, a grown woman. And I remember I used to say, well, I'm a social liberal and a fiscal conservative, but you can't be both. If you're socially liberal, then you're gonna spend money. You're gonna actually waste money on all kinds of stupid stuff that doesn't work. So no matter what he does, he's gonna have people like me, and some of them are in Congress right now, who really are afraid to go along with his, his the kinds of you know uh, uh, cuts that he wants to make to some of these social programs because they might be in 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 races of their own where that'll hurt them in getting reelected. So I don't know. You know, I think that the um, that they better hold fast and they better have some kind of fiscal overhaul and demand that Joe Biden negotiate the terms. Because if the speaker has to show now that he can actually get the votes and push through a deal, Nancy Pelosi could do it, okay? And that means you gotta be able to get a yes vote from some of the members who have never ever before voted to increase the debt ceiling and they take pride in that fact. I probably would have been a member like that myself. But if they don't support him in this, then, you know, uh, he can't, he'll be seen as weak and ineffective, unable to lead. It's the biggest moment for him. And this is really hard what he has to pull off. And I can only say that the, the two previous Republican speakers, I loathed both of them, John Boehner and Paul Ryan. And, and yet they were able to, to get a lot of people who didn't agree with them to support them. So I, I don't know, Mr. McCarthy has, uh, you know, a lot going on right now. He's got, he, 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 he just had a major victory in blocking a new criminal code for DC, which by the way, Biden signed into law after initially opposing it. And that's a good thing. The bipartisan China Select Committee is an early success for him. But it's just, he's always been underestimated, including by me. I don't like him, never did. And yet at the very beginning, I could see that he did have some leadership qualities. This is the real test though. 
and we'll see. Even Matt Gates, who was his nemesis during the speaker's race, as in, you haven't heard too much about it. He's saying he's given McCarthy an A for his work so far. But on Monday, he said that he was a no vote on the debt ceiling. We'll see, you know. Um, there's a lot of people trying to distinguish themselves and move as far to the right as they possibly can, and that's, uh, you know, that's okay unless, it loses, unless we lose, right? Unless the, the side that should prevail doesn't prevail. And then it wasn't a good idea, was it? So we'll see. This is the first really big test for him. Um, there was another story, you know, I, I spoke earlier about just whack-a-mole, how no matter what I'm talking about, the same subjects keep coming back up and up and up, and then they just, they just disturb me because we don't ever resolve them. Now there's a legislator in Montana that they're considering censuring, and, and the legislator happens to be the only transgender lawmaker in the House of Representatives in Montana, okay? And th this representative, Zoe Zephyr, um, get, she's been given notice that a motion would be made to decide if she had violated house rules and whether to impose disciplinary consequences. The letter also said the session would be closed to the public but available to watch online. I have been informed that during tomorrow's floor session there will be a motion to either censure or expel me. I've also been told I'll get a chance to speak. This all started when she, she's a first-term Democrat, represents an area called Missoula, and she made this speech on the House floor telling colleagues that voting to ban transition care for transgender minors would leave blood on your hands. Now, you know, that, I don't care what your position is on it, that is hateful rhetoric. And she never apologized for that, there were protests all over the house gallery, the people screaming and, you know, the trans activists all turned up and, you know, I don't get it. I don't understand why she cannot conduct herself as everybody else. All I keep hearing is we're just like everybody else. Stop uh, pointing fingers at us. We have a right to rights and all this stuff. And then they behave in manners that really call attention to their, their, I'm gonna say it, to their mental illness. You know, that, that, that every time I listen to one of these trans activists, it becomes so clear to me that they're filled with rage and, and, and just they don't know how to monitor their behavior at all, and they feel like that I should just accommodate them because they have a right to be angry. You know, I get angry too. Women should be angry right now. Women like me, we should be angry right now because all the gains that we made with our uh, bold attempts to get women equal rights in the workplace, equal rights in the family, equal, right, equal pay, all of these things that we work so hard for, now we're being told, well, you know, Title IX is, uh, you know, should be opened up to men who say they're women. And women like me should be mad. I went to college because of Title IX. There are lots of people like me, lots of women, first-generation college graduates from families that never could have sent their kids to college. I came from a lower-middle-class family, and there was no way 
that even if I worked, it would have been extremely difficult to not contribute to, you know, to, to a household, whether it was my own or whether it was my parents. So paying for college was not a possibility for me. You know, I, I would have taken 12 years to get an undergraduate degree. You know, two classes, I could afford one class. So Title IX opened up a, a whole world for female athletes. And now I got, you know, Democrats of all people saying, oh, no, no, you know, we, we, can't, we can't separate a man who thinks he's a woman from actual women. What is that? And that's why I say Montana is one of several states where Republican lawmakers are saying no hormone treatments and no surgical care for transgender minors. About 1.3 million U.S. adults and 300,000 children identify as transgender. That's not a lot of people. Transition care could be, first of all, it's experimental because children and teenagers aren't mature enough to even decide whether they can, you know, get an appendic emergency appendectomy or get their ears pierced without parental permission. But you think that we should allow them to decide whether they should lop off body parts? Give me a break. I don't care what the American Academy of Pediatrics has to say, really. I really don't, I really don't. because the American Academy of Pediatrics said like give all the kids uh, vaccines and keep giving them vaccines. There are 11 states that have now passed laws prohibiting this kind of uh, radical experimentation on children. And, you know, I, I'm fighting over this. I really can't. I don't want to stop any adult from making a decision like that. You know, I don't see any reason to tell someone who's over the age of 18 that what they've been experiencing throughout their adolescence and now their young adulthood isn't real to them. It is real to them. And they have a right to make a decision, even if I think it's a bad decision. But a 14-year-old, a 10-year-old, a 12-year-old, are you kidding? Are you, I, I mean, I, I can't believe we're fighting this fight. You know why? Because we should have stopped them at the napkin. We're here today because we were afraid to stand up for decency. We were afraid to push back. Anytime anybody had a feeling, we had to accommodate the feeling. And now we're, we're, we're experimenting on our children and fighting over whether we have a right to do it or not. It's unbelievable. Anyway, don't forget, coming up at 1 o'clock, Dan Bongino. At 4 o'clock, Ben Shapiro. Six o'clock, the WPTV News, and then Jen and Bill will be back early in the morning with the South Florida Morning Show. I have one segment left. Maybe we'll hear from Senator Angolia. Regardless, you stay right where you are. Oh, boy, I tell you. I don't know. We, we'll maybe hear uh, tomorrow or next week. We'll see. Um, there was an interesting piece, another piece by my um, a man I just admire greatly. He's He's been on my show a couple of times, but... It, the, he doesn't, you know, he writes the best articles. And sometimes you just have to know that just because somebody's a great writer doesn't mean you have to have them on the show. You can share the information with your audience. And Daniel Greenfield is one of the kinds of guys that uh, always, uh, you know, he, his writing is brilliant and his thinking is very closely aligned to mine. 
And he talked about something this week, which I think is really important. And, and I wouldn't say this in a casual manner. Um, I've actually had this discussion with my husband. And my husband, for those of you who uh, you know, aren't aware, my husband is black. And uh, you know, I, I would imagine that he has an experience very different than my experience. And when it comes to matters of race and the coverage of race issues and the politics of race, he, gets, he has a very different perspective than mine. So I do talk to him about such things. And he would be the first one to agree with Daniel Greenfield, who wrote this article called Two Shootings and a Racist Double Standard. And, and it's so obvious that it, it almost is embarrassing to have to point it out, right? I mean, there was a shooting in Kansas City. A horrible story, right? A 16-year-old kid shot and wounded by the homeowner because he knocked on the wrong door. He went to pick up some family members or whatever. Um, and uh, front page news, above the fold in every major publication, and I'm not just talking about in Missouri, but any publication, the New York Times, the Washington Post, the USA Today, the Daily Mail, everybody. Oh my God, this white guy shot this teenager just because he knocked on his door. Okay, well, at about the same time in Gastonia, North Carolina, a six-year-old girl was shot and wounded along with her parents when a basketball that she had been playing with rolled into their neighbor's yard. Now, in the days following these two incidents, right, Ralph, the uh, young black man who is, by the way, um, okay, uh, he's not okay, okay, but he's gonna survive. He's gotten a call from Joe Biden and offered to visit the White House He has two lawyers representing him. His story has been splashed all over the national and even the international media. The Washington Post has run no fewer than 17 stories about the case, far more than the gangland funeral home shooting that actually took place in Washington, D.C. the same day. Kinsley, last heard tearfully asking, why did you shoot my daddy and me, has not gotten a presidential phone call. Why are these stories so different? You know, because because Ralph was black and Kinsey was white. And because the shooter in Ralph's case was white and in Kinsey's case was black. So, you know, there's no headline if you say no media outlet is ever going to run a headline that says black North Carolina man charged for shooting white kindergartner. But they'll run with... Uh, Police charge white man for shooting black teen boy. Race is only important to the newspapers if white people are the perpetrators, not if they're the victims. The media has already determined that the confused 84-year-old guy who shot Ralph was a racist. And the evidence for this so far has consisted of the fact that he's white and claims by his dreadlocked grandson that he began watching a lot of Fox News after his wife was moved into a facility. But there's nobody asking any questions that the 24-year-old black man who shot a white family was a racist. No one in the media has asked friends or family members how he felt about white people. The media would no more do such a thing than it would swap stories like Ralph Yarl armed only with black skin No lawyer is going to say Kinsley White armed only with white skin. Shooting someone is wrong, 
doesn't matter what color their skin is. Doesn't matter what the perpetrator or the victim's skin color is. And that's why you, you look at these stories and you, you watch Kamala Harris, the vice president, obnoxiously tweeted, Doug and I are praying for Ralph Yarl and his family as he fights for his life. Let's be clear, no child should ever live in fear of being shot for ringing the wrong doorbell. Every child deserves to be safe. That's the America we are fighting for. Ralph is not a child. He's a 16-year-old teenage boy. Kinsley is a child. And because her skin is the wrong color, Kamala Harris will never tweet about her or give a damn that she was shot. That is racist. It's an evil attitude. It's not who we are. But it is whom Barack Obama helped us. What's that? Oh, where did the time go? Well, anyway, Kaelin Shooter was also white. The media has a, uh, uh, Kaylin Gillis is another story I'll get to another day. Her boyfriend mistakenly pulled into the property of an elderly homeowner, but because it was white on white, nobody tells the story. See, a white person shooting a black person is a racist. A white person shooting a white person is just suffering from gun violence. Anyway, I thank you for your time this time. Until next time, my plan is to be back here tomorrow at noon telling the truth. No pomposity, if it be his will, and he delays his coming. Remember what lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. May God bless you and may God bless America. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.